0: Hello to all nine of our listeners. Uh, this is the third episode of Enter the Zeitgeist podcast. Um, I just want to say ahead of time that I had a slight audio issue, uh, where my computer went to sleep a couple times during the recording, and it makes my voice really deep. Um, it corrects itself pretty quick. Um, anyways, hope it doesn't impact your enjoyment of this episode. And cool, we're 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 here, guys. Um, yeah. Welcome back to. The first episode of Enter the Zeitgeist in a long time. Um, We actually recorded another episode before this, but we lost part of the recording. Um, We are trying to get that guest to come back. Um, uh, Today I've got with me, as always, Pablo, co-star of the century. And uh, guest of the century, um, David fucking Duchovny. (laughs) Just kidding, (laughs) it's Duncan Clark. Hey,
1: um, pleasure to be on the show with you all.
0: Yeah, um, I think Duncan's drinking some whiskey sours over over there.
1: Oh, I I drank a whiskey sour, and uh, I'm now paying the consequences. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yes, so I I've known Duncan for a long time since uh, way back to the preschool days. Yeah. Um, and then Duncan, Pablo, and I all went to high school together. So uh,
1: I went to elementary school with Pablo. So, all right. Um, my pedigree is more impressive than yours, in terms Fair of in this little in-group.
2: <laughs> I can't connect my headphones up to my computer. I'm missing the... Ooh, ooh. We're not cutting yeah,
0: this out, just... Pablo.
2: Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, no. All my future employers are going to hear me cursing. Wow. All right, I this so was
0: we... <laughs> environment. So we talk to Duncan pretty frequently. Um, but yeah. here's some topics that we really haven't talked with Duncan about that we've got planned. Um, the first one's pretty relevant to today. Um, UT, University of Tennessee, has just announced its new uh, like Corona coming back to school plan. Um, I did not go to UT, but Pablo and uh, Duncan did, so I want we want to hear we want to know their opinions
1: uh I, i'm gonna have to get the context because i haven't heard anything about this yet
2: i haven't heard anything about it i'm on the website and it says when you arrive on campus you'll feel like your home will be for the rest of your life that's just on the fucking main page they're just i don't i don't understand like covid19 information i'm clicking on it Da-da-da. How the fall semester will work with social distancing and preventative measures in place. What students can expect on campus. Uh, Everyone will be asked to commit to a scent of volunteer community standards. Physical distancing, frequent hand washing and hand sanitation, wearing appropriate face coverings or masks. The university has ordered face coverings for all students and employees. Face coverings will be required both indoors and outside, except within private spaces and controlled environments. Uh, so
0: I think I think this is probably very similar to, like, almost every other university's opening plan for the fall. Um, and I think probably all of them are doing that because they really need to open. Um and they're yeah, like, I don't having think the a...
1: infrastructure for doing it all online is going to be ready or is ready in any sort of capacity.
0: Well, I think they could maybe do that, but I think like they, if people, if they're just like, Hey, you're going to have it all online. I think a lot of people will just not go to school
2: that yeah, year. They have a possibility of remote learning. I just think that they're rushing it like a bit, like it's well, we sort just of don't like...
0: know. It's, they just like, want to plan.
2: Yeah, they need they need the money. They're going to open up. Uh, but it's just like... It's because of an, an incentive scheme, almost. It's not like this is the most optimal path. It's that they, they can't really take the most optimal path. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, they have to put out some sort of statement on the fact because whether or not someone moves on campus or is going to be living in a dorm or not... Uh, would be completely up in the air before they made that announcement. And, you know, it takes a little bit of time to find a place and sign a lease and stuff. Um so I think this is probably the right move, only saying so because um maybe they can backpedal
0: if Yeah. I I think that they've probably like they have a plan and I think that they need it. I agree with you. I think that they probably should just also have a plan B, like, hey, in the case that we decide that Corona is too bad right now, here's what will happen instead.
1: Yeah, maybe, you know, reimburse students for whatever cost they may have to eat because of the inconvenience and change of plans. Um, I, if I, if I'm, I'm going to move out in the fall. Um, hopefully around when school starts. Um, And I think because of that, I'm going to be fine with going to classes in person. Um, And it's funny because last time I was in school, the reason I did so poorly, or one of the many reasons, is that I had really bad anxiety. And I probably would have really done well in an all online environment but now I'm very extroverted and socially driven and comfortable and I feel like the opposite effect would occur now so I also I can't like separate my my home and like my living space from doing work uh, usually, if I need to get something done, I'll go to the library or Starbucks or something like that. Um, yeah, I think
0: I find good. it kind of difficult too.
2: Yeah. Like uh, now that basically the good screen has become the bad screen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so to
1: speak. It's just <laughs> it's that I, I have like an issue darting things like that are harder than just playing video games or sleeping and it's not that i can't do it because once i get started it's completely fine i have that momentum but if i have the option to do something different then my incentive to get past that initial energy requirement is diminished
2: Mm -hmm. for me it's like doing things that don't capture my attention is sometimes just physically painful. Like I got, I got that real ADD diagnosed energy, like uh, because I do actually have ADD, but um, yeah, I understand what you mean. It's like very difficult. Like I have to shut everything else and basically make it impossible to do anything else and maybe have somebody there to be like, mm, are you sure you should be doing that? Kind of like <laughs> keeping me on yeah. track.
1: I agree. And that's why I appreciated you texting me last, the fall before last was like, and just saying, like, hey, Duncan, like, have you like done your homework, bro? Cause you like need to do that in order to stay in school. Um, I also have been diagnosed with ADD. Um, I, it's hard for me to say whether or not I actually think I have it because I was suffering from so many different mental problems that had overlapping, uh, like, uh, symptoms and effects and stuff. Um,
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. The ADD, depression, anxiety, like, trifecta is a definite thing. Anxiety is like, oh, is my ADD going to fuck shit up? Depression, oh, so many regrets from the ADD. I don't know, like, but they can also, like, cause each other because one symptom of depression is short-term memory loss. Right. Uh, Same with, like, uh, anxiety and things like that. And I also,
1: I feel like there is some, like, invisible force that is always in opposition of me doing productive things. Kind of like that, um, I think it's Spanish play Exterminating Angel, where these, um, uh, rich people are stuck at a party and they can't leave, but they like it's this invisible force that's keeping them from leaving. They just like it's supposed to be metaphorical for something, but just whatever. If that's like a common thing with people with ADD, I don't know or what exactly that is, but
2: I call uh, it the dark playground, man.
0: The dark playground. I like that.
2: I don't. A ted video
0: i've never been diagnosed with anything but i also find it uh quite difficult to get into productive mindset spe- especially when i'm at home um, um i st- like it's it's always a struggle to just like try and pull yourself away from like your living area and just like hey i'm at work now um and that's yeah, something that i've been I can't, learning
1: i can't separate it i've partition my room into like three little spaces my room is like abnormally large and for context i am living with my family right now uh but it, it's really long and so i have like my bedroom area and then like i have my couch and my coffee table and a tv in the middle and then i have like my computer and music stuff in this l-shaped desk that's partitioning it from the rest of the room so I I kind of designed, I, I like moved all my stuff around in my room multiple times trying to distinguish those three things like sleep, play, and productivity. But now I just mostly play video
2: games on my computer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the real life. I have gotten all my dopamine hijacked by RuneScape right now.
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, absolutely. It's new Destiny. (laughs) Um, Just that
1: that grind, that progression that... Plus, if you play with other people, catching up to them or surpassing them, it just... You're right, it's like a dopamine hit like directly to your brain.
2: Something about me is like saying, yes, this will help with your survival and your ability to attract mates. Please keep pressing. Yeah, expert.
1: keep keep doing this. Fucking biology is screaming out. <laughs> Cause I don't have any actual life threatening situations.
2: Yeah, like for me it's it's kind of all revolved around the desk. In the desk, I eat here. It's like three feet from my bed. Uh what gets me out, I guess, of like the cycle and like forces me to be present, I guess, is my dog being like, hey, I gotta shit. Take me out, and so then I have to go out. And usually it's like I don't bring my phone or whatever, and I'm just like outside. And then I'm like, oh yeah, oh fuck, I had things that I had to do. I, don't, I have a whole life. Uh-
1: <laughs> oh, I feel that so much, especially during quarantine, because like I I just continue like continually get more depressed and more like completely engrossed in video games is like the whole like as far as my life encompasses but whenever i go hiking like as soon like it's it's hard to get the motivation but once i start i immediately like almost want to cry at the end from like all the dopamine and endorphins that i get and being outside puts you know my my thinking back in perspective of oh yeah there is a world out there and this is what's really important to you like don't
0: forget that yeah i definitely feel that resonates with me as well because it's really easy especially during quarantine especially during like the first month when it was like very really new to me to just like um kind of forget that there's an outside world like now now my like gym schedule's gone my because they're all closed so if i want to go outside if i want to go work out i either have to do it in my floor or run and i try to stay good but the longer quarantine went like that went away um and then like oh i can't go see friends anymore or like i was planning on going snowboarding a bunch but that's not happening and so i feel yeah i feel like it's been like it's just a setback for like it's not been i don't think it's actually been like terrible but I think it's been like a huge, like a huge setback for like all of my goals that I had set for my, myself before quarantine. Oh, absolutely. I,
1: um, you know, I, I lost like 60 pounds since August and I'd been doing a whole lot of, you know, self-care and like really paying attention to how I look and what I eat and meditating and stuff. And then as soon as i was like yes this is great this is amazing like i i remember tweeting at the end of february something like i feel like i'm finally mandela affected myself back into the good timeline and now <laughs> i'm like oh sweet summer child again." um so that really was kind of like a gut punch like it took the wind out of my sails and have you
0: how, how have your workouts been since then have they
1: I um I started doing Ring Fit. I was continuing to do Ring Fit when it first came out. And I, I'd been going to the gym with Austin in addition to doing cardio. But, you know, I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't do the gym thing. And I sold Ring Fit Adventure because I thought I was just, it was not going to provide what I needed since I needed, like, resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some resistance bands, and I've used it some.
0: Yeah, I have some of those, and I, I find, like I like them, but I I find they're like a little bit difficult to like. They they don't feel that nice. Yeah, like,
1: uh, it's not. They don't feel I, like weights. It just doesn't compare to like doing actual, like barbell. Yeah. And stuff like
0: that. So I actually ordered a, a kettlebell. Unfortunately, it arrived. Um, right when my apartment gym just opened up. So I now have a kettlebell, but I could also just go down there and uh, use that instead.
1: I hear people say that kettlebells are like one of the best. Like if you're going to buy one single piece of exercise equipment, that's like very versatile.
0: So that's what I've heard because you can do a lot of cardio stuff, but also it's like heavy. So the one I have is I think 26 pounds or... um. Yeah, it's 26 pounds, 12 kilograms, and so that's, that's pretty heavy, um, I've got a friend of mine who said I should probably get the 35 pound, but I didn't want to get something that was too heavy for me to, like, want to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, pretty much, I just think that the, I'm just excited to get back, because, like, the other day, I finally got back to the gym, um, and I, like, I've been running a little bit occasionally. Uh, also, my phone is getting blown up. Holy fuck. Um, but I've been running occasionally, but I feel like that's really hard on my joints. Um, and so what I used to like to do is to just do really long steady state cardio on the elliptical trainer in the gym. Um, I've just silenced my phone. But uh, the... So I finally got back to that. And so, like, my my record is, like, 2,000 something calories i don't exactly know how many but wow, it's like, i think it's around two, i think it's around like 2200 calories and it has two-hour like period single... wow two... holy shit uh, so like it's just that the specific the specific elliptical trainer down there just it's like a free stride one and so you can like make your strides really long and then i just like run pretty fast on there uh, i don't think it's actually that accurate i think it's probably more like oh uh, fi-
1: yeah none of that
0: yeah, but it's—I mean, it's—it's it's around there. So I'm, I'm assuming it's probably like 1,500, 1,700 calories instead of 2,000 calories. Which is um, still—that's. But I—I'm very, I'm very sweaty at the end, and like I'm finally getting back to that. And so I, the other day I did a a 50-minute one, and I was gonna go for a full hour, but then my headphones died, and that's—that's that's enough. All, all it takes is like one little thing, and it's so easy to just like. Oh, uh, I feel that.
1: I have to have my phone charged. I have to have my. Headphones charge because I I like have to listen to music, um, or else it just doesn't really do anything for me.
2: Um, it's ADD man, I have to have music on to be able to wash my dishes, to fold my laundry, to do like literally anything. Or else I'm like I am understimulated. I this is painful.
1: Yeah, am. I'm constantly listening to music when I do chores. Um, I was doing incline on my treadmill, um, and I was getting like towards, like, 10% incline at, like, 3 miles per hour. Um, And my goal was just to, you know, get my heart rate up to a certain point and then just maintain that for as long as possible. Um, But my ankles started hurting, and that... It it didn't used to, but that's kind of persisted. Is it just...
0: Well, I think it might be the impact from the treadmill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it certainly
1: is. And um, I also think I have some problems with my vascular system because my feet sometimes turn purple and will swell up when I, you know, am doing high-impact exercising on that. So that's why I've been trying to hike and just not stop at all, just keep my momentum going the whole time so my heart rate never goes down. And I've been doing like four miles every day that it's nice out, um, so yeah. that's that's been pretty
0: good. That's a good goal. I, I really think that the best way to do like, just like cardio workouts is just like hiking's great, or if you're gonna be in like the gym, like screw everyone. Hit is the new hit workouts. Like high intensity training is the new fad. Screw uh-huh. that. Just just turn on Netflix. Get on the get on the bike. Get on whatever you have. And then just like go.
2: Something I really it. want to do is figure out how to like put like the, the shit that like takes up energy, like a washing machine, right? And you have it like bike powered. So then you can get on like a bicycle that just turns like this thing that washes your clothes uh, while you're like watching Netflix or something like that. It's so of interesting.
0: That... If you didn't have an actual washing machine and this is just like you committed to the bit.
2: Yeah, well, yeah,
1: I don't I don't know if the efficiency but like save you any money.
2: Well, it's not about the money. It's about you're not going to have clean clothes unless you exercise. That might be the worst for people with depression who might need clean clothes in order to exercise because it's like good to have that first win of the day, you know, where you like get out of bed and uh shower and I'm then I'm imagining like myself immediately on mushy this bike here
0: with like a mustard stain on my shirt. And I'm like crying. Like, Sorry, guys. I just didn't wanna... <laughs> I couldn't do it this morning. <laughs> like, no, I'm like riding the bike with it because I'm like I gotta have clean clothes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's like you gotta you gotta do the exercise. Because <laughs> with me, I feel like I I find excuses. I'm just I just take the path of least resistance. Um, and... Yeah,
1: honestly, <laughs> like I found for a very long time, found it incredibly hard to make myself exercise out of any sort of want to change for myself, but it was more like spite for wanting to change for other people, so I'd be more appealing. and That's mm-hmm. not really healthy, even though it got results. Um, but... I honestly find that doing things for myself in order to appease other people is the most um, encouraging thing, I guess. Well,
0: I actually, I definitely work out prime. Like, I I work out for two reasons. One, because I, I like, enjoy seeing my progress. But two, because it definitely does make you look better. Like, and that's, I don't feel like that's, like, a, a shameful thing. I just think that, like, people want to look better. And working out is a genuine way to improve yourself
2: in a measurable way. I like the mental effect because if like you're in a funk, if you do a lot of exercise and you're doing it right, it's going to shake you out of it. And you're going to be more physically tired than you are mentally wherever you were, because whatever it was in your head just gets, just gets turned into, Oh, this sucks. This exercise is so difficult or whatever. And then when you're done, it's like, oh, thank God it's done. That's all that's in your brain. Um, so here's.
1: Yeah, it gives here- you time to be meditative, unless you're like watching Netflix. Like when I hike, I like totally zone out and just think about all the things that maybe I've been ignoring or putting off beforehand. Um, but also, definitely in like the endorphins you get, like scientifically, that's probably the most effective immediate thing you can do to combat mental health issues
0: yeah i always feel a lot better about basically anything after i go do something active mm-hmm. um, and i think that that's that's definitely rung true in my life um but also duncan i'm curious what so what was like was there like a turning point where you were just like all right enough's enough it's time for me to get like get my shit together with your like with, with regards to your like exercise routine cuz like um, I know there was a point but I I don't think I've ever like talked to you about it. It started the
1: winter before last. Um I had failed out of UT and I uh quit my job, but I was telling my parents that I was you know going to work, like I'd put on my work uniform and go like sleep in a parking lot cuz I was just like so depressed and stuff and when they found out they were like okay that's really not good something has to change now before you know it's too late whatever that means not like they said that but you know whether i like killed myself or like got too old and stuck in my ways but mm-hmm. they um made me exercise." every day for at least 30 minutes at first. Um, and I'd have to send them videos if I, um, you know, if they were gone and not able to witness. And this was something I was completely, you know, down for too. It wasn't just like, Oh yeah, whatever. And this was like, I, I really need someone to keep me accountable. Um, so I started doing that. And then around April and, uh, yeah, around then, I started uh, hiking at Haw Ridge um, almost every day. I did, like, 60 miles in, like, 27 days, and that felt amazing. Um, I didn't keep it up. I switched to doing the treadmill, but I didn't lose much weight during the summer, if at all. But I was, you know, at least healthier because I was exercising, but my my dietary changes didn't happen. And... It was in August when I really just decided, okay, this is it. You have to invest in long-term happiness versus short-term vices, or else you'll be stuck like this forever. So I started just exercising as much as I could on the treadmill, playing a lot of Hearthstone, uh, continued to hike. Uh, but really, it was the diet that changed the most. I just try to completely stop eating for pleasure and when i would eat it'd be grapes nuts or smoothies um and i i'd feel like you know every month i'd check my weight and before i do it i'd be like okay it's not gonna be a big deal if you like maybe gain back some weight it's not you know like you just got to do better and double down on your efforts but I'd step on it. I'd lost like 10 pounds that month. And I'm like, holy shit, what the hell? This is way (laughs) easier than I ever thought it was going to be. I like felt like I'm not doing enough at all, even though I totally was. Um, And then, you know, a few months later, I'm down 60 pounds and I got, for Christmas, I got gifted a picture of me at my cousin's bar mitzvah, uh, I think two years ago. And I almost wanted to cry because I had no idea how how much weight i'd gained um i i like when i looked in the mirror i was just so depressed i didn't like internalize any of what i was perceiving it became warped because i didn't want to you know mentally confront that um but now i just like all my anxiety's gone away i you know i i it's the best thing i've ever done in my life
2: so it's like it's- it was it's not just like uh the eating or like the exercise either it's like the whole thought process behind the things like
1: oh sure. yeah totally i and it wasn't just the exercise and dieting like i uh i uh clean my room every day and i you know still continue to try and do that um i started really like taking care of myself like Hygiene-wise, like, I, I researched, like, to hell and back about how to take care of my skin and um, started, like, grooming my hair right and, you know, and like, you treat yourself weird and shit. Yeah, exactly.
2: Because a lot of people like, approach, like, the whole fitness or, like, weight loss stuff from, like, a position of self-hate where it's just, like, fuck this person, right? But that's, like, not sustainable. Or like...
1: Yeah, no. You have to learn how to do it for yourself rather than spite, because it's not sustainable at all. Because if you fall off for one day, if it rains or for so you're you're like I'm too tired, I'll do it tomorrow. Then you know your chances of falling off completely are hugely increased. Yeah, yeah. I did.
0: So like when I was in college, I like I was a high, rower in high school, went to college, and I really didn't work out very frequently. And then I realized, like, around the start of my junior year of college that I was like, oh, man, I weigh a lot more than I used to. And if I, like, I saw the trend, I was like, oh, if I don't stop, I'm going to be 230 pounds. And then after that, who knows? Um, And so that's when I just, like, doubled down. I don't – I was not losing 10 pounds a month. That's crazy. Um, But that's, like, really fast-paced.
1: Yeah, I was –
0: I was very surprised, but I was losing around like maybe two pounds a month or so, maybe three, three on a good month. Um, and I, I, kind of turned it around in like four or five months and I lost around like 12 pounds or so. Um, and then I, from there I just started building. Um, and I've, I've just kind of kept, kept the habit ever since then. I honestly think it was really good for me. Like, I don't think it was good for me to have gained the weight in the first place, but I think gaining it and then having to work to lose it has taught me so much about myself. And Um, that
1: instills that lesson.
0: Yeah. I know what, I know what could potentially happen if I slip up, you know, like I know, like I know what the path, what the path is. Um,
1: Yeah. As soon as I, as soon as I was like, I'm comfortable with myself, I feel at least somewhat attractive. I'm like, I, there is no way I'm ever going to go back to, how it was this is too good um and you know that's a lifestyle change that i'll continue to stick to for the rest of my life yeah for
2: Uh, me i I think like i didn't learn many lessons because when because i would just be broke and then i'd be like okay you know the first place i'm gonna cut costs is like food i'm gonna like buy dry rice dry beans uh like, like pare down on these essentials or whatever, and I wouldn't buy snacks and things like that because in my dad's place there would, there would never be any snacks. And also, if I ever received snacks, it would be the only thing I would eat because my like short term mind is like, oh, this food's already made. Eat the food that's already made. So it's like even if I buy something like, uh, vegetables that you have to cook, and around me there's like. A canned food that's like you can already eat it I'm just going straight for like all the canned food every single time um, but then I would get like hyper focus on stuff and so when that happens I'm not really doing a whole lot of activity but I'm also not eating because I'm not like paying attention to like my body being like hey bro you're hungry Uh you should get up I just be like upset and I'd be like I don't know why I'm upset right now
1: I God, I relate to all of that. (laughs) To a T, like, I can't keep anything in my house that I can easily eat without having to prepare or else I'm just going to continue to eat it for pleasure just because it's so easy. But if I have to put in effort to eat, I'm like, well, I'm not actually hungry. I'm just bored.
2: Yeah, Um, because it's like, if I have to cook, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to cook enough. I have a plan, my right brain, my my frontal brain, my thinking slow brain. I don't know. The good one, the good brain, the not penis brain is doing the (laughs) work right now. Um, when, When it's just like there is food, if there is saltines and I'm hungry, I will figure out how to get 700 calories of saltines into my body, whether I like it or not. God, like that a hurts meal. how
1: relatable that is. I literally <laughs>
0: have saltines right next to me. I'll that literally cook things to eat that. for pleasure.
2: I'll be like, oh,
0: I want a steak right now, and then I'll just like cook one.
2: And saltines are so cheap, but they disappear so fast. Yeah, fat.
0: they're gone, like, <laughs> donezo. I've been
1: eating seaweed snacks lately, and those have, like, zero calories, but they're so good.
0: That's another uh, thing. Like, I, used to, I used to think people were, like, dumb for eating things that were low-calorie. I was just like, just eat it. But I now I'm the guy who's like, let's have a diet coke, and like,
1: yeah, like, yeah let's treat ourselves. Let's have. A let's get diet that.
0: Coke. Let's get that free. The free calories. Although I don't really think diet coke's completely free calories, but like, no, it's not. It is zero calories. So you're paying whatever.
1: for. You're paying in other ways.
0: Um. Anyways, um. Duncan, we have some other things to ask you. Okay. Um, wow. How do you feel about the Knoxville music scene? So, I know that like. Our good friend Matt is sort of involved in this Um, and that you used to be there and you are still sort of there Um, how's it how's it how's it going in Knoxville I'd say that I'm infinitely
1: more or you know pre quarantine infinitely more ingrained with that culture Um, from I'll, I'll get to the map part in a in a bit but uh ever since i like became best friends with gracie um she like her entire purpose of living was to like go to these underground like diy art punk shows and mm-hmm. there's this venue in old city called the pilot light um, where all her friends go and it's a bar and her um, current boyfriend uh, bartends there. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't know anyone, but I'd always, and Gracie would always go off and talk to other people, but I could get drunk and then feel confident enough to talk to people. Um I, you know, saw, a bunch of acts that really impressed me. Like, I was stunned at how good these bands I'd never heard of in Knoxville are. Um, and I started going to parties and I started going to uh little festivals that these people put on. Like, um, there's the Big Ears Festival in Knoxville that's like dumb expensive, so like, kind of as a protest or parody. Um, that whole scene puts on a thing at the birdhouse the same weekend called Big Asses, and they do things like serve spaghetti and like have slam poetry and like weird, like synth punk stuff, and everyone's like smoking cigarettes and drinking PBR. It's great. That sounds um, pretty fun, honestly. <laughs> oh, it's it's actually. I gotta move like, back
0: to Knoxville, I guess. Uh...
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty much like I I'd, I'd see people live in these lifestyles and like movies about high schoolers growing up. And I was like, is this real? Like, does this actually happen? Like no one, surely no one actually lives like this or I'd know about it. But yeah, people are having like warehouse shows like every weekend. You just gotta know those people. And Gracie is like the socialite of that whole thing. So I like had instant ticket in and it was great. I, it really made me come out of my shell. Um, and it I like I find they were like they're all like a little bit too weird for me to have like any sort of very meaningful connections, but everyone's super nice and yeah, it was great. Um I I wish that I had an act to play with um I, I wasn't a band with Matt uh, up until quarantine, uh, and we were really starting to, like, figure out what we wanted to do and, like, get in time with each other, and then that all kind of stopped, um,
2: but- Death Grips meets Eric Andre.
1: it's Daughters meets, um, Vacations complete opposite because like jacob who played drums wanted to do like post rock and matt wanted to do like 70s like goofy like, gr- like scooby doo rock and mm-hmm. then other jacob who played synth wanted to do like really hard like electronic like health like glitched, weird stuff and i just kind of like doing like indie jazz i guess i don't really like yeah, rock <laughs> shit. that's that's that's, uh, that's some so distinct
0: at least different styles you know what i've been really impressed with um jacob schmidt the like the single he made i don't know if he's oh, actually oh
1: yeah dude his that thing shredded is wild i don't yeah. know yeah
0: well, like i didn't know that that's like what was happening behind those closed doors but when i heard that one song i was like oh my gosh this out. there to be was like out.
1: there was like a year or two where i kind of like was tuned out to all like the local music shit um and then like i started listening to like jacob's stuff and like all of a sudden i was like this is masterful like this is sincerely like this is professional this is incredible um so i've and also he never played drums once in his life before he started drumming for our band and within weeks uh, he was incredible i i could not tell you how absolutely amazed I was at his progression um so he's really talented i I think Jacob you know really has what it takes to you know make something meaningful
0: yeah, I'm excited to see some more stuff um also duncan i wa- I, I wanted to ask you this uh, so you I remember you used to be you used to go under the name Merceau. Um, yes yeah. I actually liked I liked some of your songs that you've made. Uh, What was the reasoning to, like, move on um, and just, like, become a different kind of musician?
1: I, when, you know, basically all of my music pre a year ago or two years ago or so, like, every, the only thing I could ever be inspired to write was about, like, unrequited feelings and, like, depression and, like, worthlessness. And I wrote like a, a batch of like eight or nine songs when me and uh my last girlfriend broke up Um, just cause I, it was like a way to deal with those emotions and, you know, have an outlet to express that. And then as like those feelings faded, I, you know, I was just kind of depressed and left with any, without any sort of energy and, when i started writing music again cuz i like i didn't pick up a guitar for so long cuz my anhedonia was like this is not pleasurable to you in any way i just i didn't relate to anything about that i'd sung about i didn't relate to the style i felt like i had progressed so much as a person as a musician as a producer a writer and a lyricist i i just wanted to separate myself from that and kind of start a new with what I really wanted to write about. Um, I haven't... The last time I put out a song, and it was like only a minute and 15 seconds or so, was I think last year. Um, And it was really well-received, and I'm I'm really happy with it, especially the lyricism. Um, But since I've been slowly writing... Uh, a a bunch of tracks. I have like maybe nine or ten tracks, uh, about a third of the way finished each, that I sincerely, you know, and it's hard for me to ever be proud about anything I create, I think are pretty fantastic. I'm kind of shocked, actually. Um, So if I can ever sit down and really finish something, I feel like I have the ability to make something pretty special i just you know i just feel like it'd be such a shame if i never gave it a real shot if i went through my whole life just never really knowing if i could have made it
0: yeah and um please keep us updated with uh any of this music i would actually like to hear it like in progress if you ever like want to show me
1: oh yeah Um, absolutely i can put up um I can put up some of the stuff that I have so far and, you know, let you check it out. Um, my main problem is that my guitar mm-hmm. kind of sucks. It's a Les Paul Obafone. It's like a $500 guitar, but they, it, I got it like a decade ago, and the pickups in it are notoriously muddy, so it's hard when you're recording to get a good sound out of it, and you... So there's like two or three pickups in it, and each pickup, like a new one, costs like ninety bucks. And then if you don't know how to install it, it's like seventy to install each pickup. So I've kind of been waiting to either buy a new guitar, or I like I asked Andy Allen, like around the beginning of quarantine, if I could borrow his guitar for a weekend to kind of record all these tracks. And he's he said he was feeling sick and like wasn't sure if it's Corona, so he'd get back to me, and then I just never got back in touch. I think that's what's holding me back because I spend so much time trying to mix the sound of yeah. the guitars for it to sound good and just doesn't. So I, I feel like <laughs> I can't progress until I get like the stuff that comes before it down. Yeah. Um but I I I should I should hit Andy up and you know I think that I think that would really, you know, <sighs> boost my um my uh, uh your music yeah, and like my, well, like, more like um, your your drive. Yeah. To
0: finish it. But
1: yeah, I'm I'm really really happy with what I have so far. I'm I'm very excited to show it to people.
0: All right, Duncan. Uh, we we're moving on to the late game topics here.
1: Oh, we're in the end game now. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, seen this one before.
0: Do you? Since this is your topic, do you want to introduce it?
1: Um. Yeah, which one uh, out of out of the ones I proposed? Uh, look,
0: you you can pick. <laughs>
2: and we'll talk- mm. it's being kind of uh,
0: got a putter for a bit.
1: Let's see what do I think is interesting. Um. Okay, so I was thinking, you know, for some reason, I think that like chance versus circumstance versus like fate is interesting to think about obviously you know i'm an atheist and i don't believe Mm -hmm. in any sort of like divine intervention of any sort um and i guess if i really think about it everything is just coincidence and it is just at the mercy of every single outside factor that could possibly affect your life in any way, but let's say that like Bill Gates, uh, I I guess most people would say that he's pretty lucky. I mean, he's one of the greatest men in the world. And you can, I guess you can attribute someone as being lucky after they have had a bunch of good things happen to them. um, Because that Describes their life, but I don't think you can call someone inherently lucky before anything happens because that would imply that, you know, there is some force that is making their chances of having good things happen to them more. But people who are in good positions and, you know, have privilege and born to rich families. I feel like are more much more likely to have lucky lives because you know if things that are unlucky happen to you that's like your car breaks down uh I and you get fired from work or something like that but you know if you've had a bunch of good things happen to you does that make you does that increase your chance of having further good things happen to you and would that be defined as luck if so
0: Alright, um, so I'm, <laughs> K- jumping right out at me, I feel like it like it does kind of make sense. I don't feel like I w- like, I'm not from a rich family, but I, I definitely was not ever in, like, feeling poor, um, uh, so I feel like, like, the fact that we were in, like, a pretty decent financial situation, um, I never really had to worry about, like, oh, what am I gonna eat, or, like, oh, what if my car breaks down, like... Pretty much, if my car broke down, I knew that my parents could, like, pay for it. Um, and, like, that did happen several times when, like, my car gave me trouble or, like, anyth- anything bad. And I-, I think, like, if you're already in a good spot, I don't necessarily think you're more likely to have good like good luck to happen to you. I think you're just more likely to be able to absorb the bad luck without any negative consequences. Or minimal negative consequences. Because, like, ultimately, like, having to pay, like, $300... Uh, if that doesn't matter as much to you as like some some other some someone else who's more financially well off like you can just kind of absorb that bad luck and then like not it won't actually like kick you while you're down because like you're like you're not in a bad scenario because it didn't actually hurt you um it might not have been, been fun to pay but like but if you're like working paycheck to paycheck and your car breaks down you can't absorb that bad luck at all and, like, now you are either, like, choosing between, like, can I pay my rent or can I starve or can I buy, like, get a new car or, like, repair my car, I mean. Probably not get a new car. And, like, that is a weird dilemma that, like, I have been blessed to never have to, like, make a choice like that um, because I've just always had, like, a decent financial safety net around me. um. I think that matters. I also wouldn't necessarily say that Bill Gates, he might have some luck to him, but like I think, like most of Bill Gates was like, he's like a pretty smart guy and he like worked really hard. Like I know that his like re- reputation at like as at Microsoft was he was like making people workaholics.
2: Um, I have a lot to say about this, but I have to put Polly away first. Uh, I'll be right back. Can we pause? Oh, no, we'll just keep going, and you can jump in. Yeah. Okay, I just don't want the topic to change before I say my bit. No, Uh, that's fine. I'll be back.
1: Yeah, I... Like, Bill Gates is smart, and so that makes it much more likely for him to fall into good situations because he's able to use his intellect to, you know, divine the path through his life, Uh, and I don't think that you know there's like some outside factor in that that would determine his luck i think it's definitely merit but also circumstance you know just where you are bored and how other people have affected your life that you can't control yourself yeah. is that
0: would, is that considered luck i would definitely consider that luck But I also think that, like, that is, like, the, like, I think that's probably the most important roll of the dice you can roll. Because, like, if you get in a good community or have good parents, you're going to have an easier time just getting, like, getting around with stuff. That doesn't mean that everyone who has good parents and a good start will have a good life because life's complicated. But I think on average, like, I definitely had very few obstacles in my way. Um, for my thing, and I think that I've pretty much, like, had a pretty easy time getting to where I am, honestly. Like, I mean, I work hard, but, like, I've never had any, like, in, when I was growing up, I never, like, had any, like, setbacks that were preventing me from doing things that I wanted to do. Right. I was, um, and then, like, I don't, I think that there's definitely some people who are like, oh, well, like, you can't, like, I was on the rowing team, and that costed, like, I think, like, $600 a semester. To, to row, mm-hmm. and, like, there's a lot of people who would just never be able to afford that because, like, that's a lot of money for one, like, a sport that's $1,200 a year, um, which doesn't, like, it's just a lot of money, especially if, like, what if you're, like, a multifamily home with, like, a lot of kids, you don't have good jobs, like you might not be able to send your kids to rowing. Um, I don't know, and I feel like, like, I also feel like after that point, it's kind of, like, who you, like set yourself up with as friends I think that like really has a big deal like and I I think I mean it's always changing because like obviously they're doing the same thing they're setting themselves up with you but I feel like the people in my life have had a real profound impact on me um oh yeah
1: absolutely and that's what I mean by like circumstances outside of your control just like how people's actions affect everything around you. Um my I I I'm not sure if I call this an argument, but I guess I'm just wondering if you know someone's bad luck is that relative to the life that you've led at that point? Like let's say okay, you're poor and you grew up poor and your car breaks down and that sucks and you say that's bad luck, but something more benign happens to a rich person but because they haven't had to experience as much hardship you know maybe they'll get like the same amount of cortisol in their brain and like have the same reaction that someone in that position would is that are those feelings invalidated is there some like absolute value to luck
2: i have returned and i'd like to say my bit about okay go for it I think that there's, like, a very complicated set of interdependencies between things. Um, It's kind of like a human body, where if, like, one organ goes wrong, it can affect, like, the functioning of every other organ. And if you have money, then you can kind of afford to avoid consequences in, in some sense. Like, when it came to my car's, like, engine getting shit on, like, in the middle of the semester, what would happen before... Is that like my parents would be divorced and that would be expensive. And so my uh, dad wouldn't want to like pay for the car. Uh, He'd be like, okay, you gotta go and you gotta work at like this restaurant. Well, I mean, I was already working at the restaurant, but I had to go to the restaurant, work, and then basically have it be the thing where all my savings and stuff would get eaten up paying for this godforsaken car. Uh, and I would have to do that and school at the same time and so that would like hurt my grades and then I wouldn't get like a GPA of over a certain point and so then I wouldn't get like a job uh, doing tutoring. Um, it's like and then if like you get like worn down by like your job for example then you're like in a bad mood and that can affect your relationships but also if you're like working in a restaurant, you're usually working uh, weekends. So that also affects what kinds of people like you're even around um, or can afford to like hang out with. Cause it, it was only after I quit this job, uh, of which I was, uh, which I was started like to be able to like hang out with people who would work nine to fives. And if I had to like work and do school at the same time, then it would also mean, hey, it would take me longer to graduate from school especially if I'm, like, failing classes sometimes. Uh, It's, like, a whole, like, chain of things. Because it's, like, money kind of is the hand that stops the dominoes from collapsing. And oftentimes, it's, like, some people's misfortune is another person's, like, advantage. Like, if you have a bunch of people who you can underpay uh, and use to, like, work and things like that, then you're making money. That's good for you. Uh, you don't want there to be like full employment because then that means that workers can like negotiate their salaries and so on. Uh, so a lot of people's luck can come at like the expense of other people. And also when it comes to Bill Gates, it, it's also like like it, there there's an enormous amount of privilege when it comes to just like having your work actually achieve results or having your achievements actually attributed to you or um, how you can like appropriate other people's work as actually like ultimately you being the cause of it uh, and so on. Because I think that like our culture is generally filled with these myths of great men, but also like, we're also a society that creates great circumstances just from like, let's say, um, Bill Gates getting access to all of that computer time. Like he was the one that that got it over other people um, due to like his access in a society and things like that. And like, and it like cascades downward. Like, if you have a family that's from the United States and that have gone to school in the United States, then they know how the school system works. And so they can tell you how it works uh, and what you have to do in high school. Uh, to succeed, and you can succeed or fail, it's ultimately part of your work, but whether or not you understand the conditions um, for your success and failure are is another question, or whether or not like, you get support for things, like let's say uh, everyone's like doing this new thing, or this new sport, or this other thing, um, and you're not going to know a lot of people unless you're in those areas, right? Like it can be difficult to explain to like, let's say parents who are like, Oh, I do like, I see basically the cost of it, but I don't see the social benefit or the socialization uh, benefits. Cause I'm not from this country. I don't understand the, like the culture. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, that makes sense. Um,
1: yeah. That's like my, I think that's like the best argument against a meritocracy because Due to circumstance and every single factor that you yourself does not decide for your own being, that can drastically affect your life. Like, if you are raised in extreme poverty and you have to turn to crime to survive, whether or not you're smart or whether or not there's an innate quality of you being a lawful or moral person that's kind of negated just by how everything's lined up.
2: Well, yeah. And so that's why when it comes to like the advantage that I have is because my parents immigrated here uh, via, well, my dad, he has like a PhD, right? And so I was raised on science and that's like what I'm going to defend to my death, basically, because it's like, okay, you can think anything you want about me. You can think I'm an asshole. You can think all this other stuff. But when it comes to math or physics, I'm right. That's, <laughs> my, that's my source of pride. <laughs> if you're going to say that you think that you know more than me, uh, you better have some kind of shit to back it up. I will dispute it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like finally like, oh, this is my domain. Because I'm certainly not richer than other people. I certainly don't have a much better lifestyle. Uh, but, like, that's, that's like, a, I guess, like, my my point of pride that at least keeps me, like, slogging through the shit, you know?
0: Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, certainly. So, Pablo, I want to go back to, like, what you said at the very beginning of this. Uh, and you said, like, it's like a human body. Um, yeah. I actually think that is a great analogy, like, great metaphor for, like, things. Because, like, okay, so if you're... Like, something bad happens to you and your body's in good shape, it's a lot easier to shake it off, okay? But like, I think that like kind of in your like, there's only so many things you can like work on at a, at a, at a time. And so like, let's say this is how much energy you have in the day, okay? So like, if, if your car breaks down and like that's really ba- like big deal and like you can hardly afford to like repair it, like that is probably like, that's a, that's a much bigger mental tax on you and probably time tax on you than like someone who has a has a body or that's in better shape in in the case of this analogy Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's that because it's also it's also probably more stressful for you because it's like how am i going to pay this and so that kind of like takes a couple more percent away from like your total like thing and the way i see it is i think that like you can you, all, you have a, like a set amount of stuff that you can like do or think about or like be involved in each day. And I think for like it depends on the day because like some days you might be able to do a lot more than others. Um, it also depends on the person because like I don't sleep very much so I'm able to get a lot of stuff into my day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I also think that there's like things you can do like investments that you can do to make yourself like better at this so like exercise is one of them that's not entirely free but it could be free like I think that like, if you exercise more it's just good for you in general and I feel like you like your energy levels will go up long term and then so maybe like these things that like bother you they don't affect you as much this is kind of like how I see it um,
1: oh yeah and- no I totally agree with that
0: Yeah. And so like, and it's the same thing, like if you have a good job or you like, like if you have, if you're lucky and have a good start, your parents will like kind of take care of some of that stress for you because you don't have to worry about money or like whatever. And like, I think the fact that like, like I am very lucky. I got my, my parents were able to pay for my college. I had, I have no college debt. I like, I don't think about it. It's very easy for me. Um, I would definitely be stressing a little bit about that if I had any. Um, and I would, if I had to work through school, like that, that's, you're taking directly away from your, like things you can do in a day and your energy levels and like, it's just a lot. Um, I yeah. think that, yeah. And I, the same thing is like, so like once you, I think that as well though, like there's some to willpower to it. Um, because you can start doing these things. It, it might be more difficult, but if you start to elevate yourself it becomes easier after you've already elevated yourself, but it's just really easy to get stuck in a pit where it's harder to get out of. Um, Yeah. I guess that's not impossible, but it's not, it's not as easy to climb out of the pit when you're already in the pit.
2: Yeah. That's, that's when really you need to like lean on, like trying to get outside uh, help and things like that and like reaching out and being able to ask and things like that. But also like, there's sometimes like unfair energy effects that we put on other people, and willpower, I believe, is limited. Like, that's burnout. It's a if, if you think that willpower is unlimited, then it's just like a recipe for like burning out way later. Um, but like when it comes to like, let's say, applying for jobs and things like that, I would worry about my name, for example. And because during interviews it would come up or where, where like people were like, Oh, it's like you weren't how I expected to. I would like read like these sociology papers that would talk about like employment rates and how like that would be affected. Um like at school, uh people wouldn't believe that I knew how to like program or that like I actually did some of the things that I said that I did in high school, because uh, I don't know, you know. But Yeah, these are some you, things
0: that I never really thought about. And have not had to spend any of my energy tank on. And I feel like that's definitely like a valid point.
2: And then, Um, and, and it's not like when it comes to like women, for example, even like when it comes to the kinds of expectations that we like place on them in relationships and in childcare and all this other stuff. And also like, um, my mom used to have a job at like a neurology center. Well, not a neurology center, but a neuroscience uh, lab. Uh, and she was going to go for a PhD, but basically because of office politics, or they just didn't like that she was getting ahead or something. Um, like they conspired against her basically while she was going uh, to school. And then she lost her job and had to like rearrange her whole life and become a nurse. And it's like, Oh, guess what? There's a pandemic now. And it's like uh, the question would become like, if you are getting out of that hole and your life is actually going well, and maybe you might become like in charge of some people? or like, can it be that some people just do not believe that you're the kind of person who deserves good things to happen to you? or like might like resent the fact that you're doing better than them um, because they have it in in their heads that you didn't earn what you got? Like, for example, I would go to some parties at UT, and UT is not the most hyper selective school in the world um to put it lightly, there'd be some people that'd be like, oh man, you know, affirmative action and all that. And I would be in my heart of hearts, I am assured that I am more I'm <laughs> smarter than this person accusing me of getting into school because of affirmative action, or even like implying it, for example. I have not seen a single dollar of this affirmative action.
0: What a rude boy. Yeah, yeah. that's terrible. Or
2: <laughs> or you would go out to like parties, like let's say uh and i'd be like yeah my name's pablo you have the same drunken asshole almost every time who's like no you're lying what is this like pablo escobar i'd literally pull out my id like i'm ready uh (laughs) and sometimes
1: like why would anyone ever doubt that that's so weird to just be like you're lying
2: no because a lot of people uh have not been out And, and a lot of people haven't known me since high school so even then sometimes it's like I get reduced to this stereotype that I then have to fight like before every social interaction with like a new person, I'm either, I'm either like, Oh, okay. They're cool. Or I have to navigate this whole, Oh, Argentina is such a rich country. Right? Like the women, they're beautiful. I'm like, yeah, dude, I haven't been there for like six. Like I was there when I was eight years old. It's not my personality. Uh, it is a part of me, right? I have family there. But, like, I'm not this tango dancing, beef-eating, gaucho cooking, whatever. Or it, it's, like, a constant fight about, like, how I view myself versus how other people view me and how much control I have over that Uh, in trying to get, like, my point across. Because, like, uh like... Because if there's not many Spanish mathematicians either, it's like not particularly known for that. It's like, or, or having this pressure to be authentic. Like when dating, people are like, "Oh man, like, say Spanish shit." Uh, Do you know how to dance? So on. It'd be like, no. It'd be like, oh, then you're not really Hispanic, or like, I don't know. It's like,
1: it's like the innate circumstances of your ethnicity you you know affect your luck so to say.
2: Yeah, and so it's like it it's like to be what one person is seen as is a great advantage in that it does not take so much time for you to be able to communicate effectively because how what you say is even interpreted is affected by what they think who they think you are even. Um and it's like, yeah, you can get yourself out of the hole, but are people okay with you being better better off, even, or in charge, or, you know, that sort of stuff? Hmm. Or can you even, like, gain merit from your actions because your actions are actually attributed to your merit rather than luck, for example. Like, with Bill Gates, like, some people view him as, as lucky. I view him as lucky. Other people are like, yeah, he... He did the work, or somewhere in between. But how we view that is oftentimes like, "Oh yeah, like uh, it's affected by by culture."
0: Well, I don't really feel like I have anything to respond with. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think you kind of killed it right there, right? in a good way.
2: Um, I think about it a lot because I'm a very—I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm 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 an ambitious person who has been at the bottom working in the back of restaurants, looking up at the top being like, I know I'm better than this. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I if I know partial differential equations and I'm fucking flipping burgers and that kind of like potential isn't actualized. That's like an uh, injustice and a yeah. sense yeah yeah and so it makes me really rethink like how much merit i actually see in people like elon musk for example whose like father has an emerald mine or whatever he basically bought his way into the title of of little bot and sued his way into having the title of the founder of spacex and so on he like buys his share in paypal and a lot of the work is like um of employees basically never we never go oh yeah Um, SpaceX is because of this employee number, so-and-so. It's, oh, yeah, because of the guy in the top. Like, this is who we attribute it to.
0: That's pretty valid. Um, I do know that Elon did do a lot of development in early PayPal history, though, I'm going to say. But let's move on because we were running out of time. Um, Duncan, you wrote down some other topics here, but I think this is going to be our last one. Um, I'd like to talk about it. Comedy and isolation as defense mechanisms. Comedy and
1: isolation as defense mechanisms. Complacency in the face of moral adversity. Okay, so... We all know that there's a bunch of crazy shit going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I... You know, I support Black Lives Matter, absolutely. Um... And I, I like, I hate Trump, and I care about all that. But is like a self-preservation act. I can't take on all of that stress. I can't be conscious of that and continue to have energy to process or do things in my own life. Um, and so because of that, I find it very easy to use comedy instead of sincerity to kind of not have to confront things that are hard. Mm -hmm. And is that the same thing as being complacent to these issues? Or is there, you know, is it justified to feel that way in a sense of like utilitarian? uh betterment of your own life
2: well i think that it's like there's this a uh, philosopher that i follow uh, on youtube and i watched like one of his uh films like the pervert's guide to ideology a uh, uh, slavoj zizek um and he talks about how like a lot of people like enable their ideology not by sincerely believing in it but by adding some kind of like distance like where it's like, oh, I do not like actually believe in the ideology, but that enables you to actually continue doing things like the way they're they're done before. you know, like, um, like how and and, and almost like every group, there are these like rules, but you aren't really in the group unless you know the like every exception. Or, like, how, like, these rules only temporarily apply or, like, I don't know. I'm not quite as eloquent uh, putting it, but it's, like, yeah. It's it's almost as if jokes actually help ruling ideology or or systems in that they uh, are, like, a release valve of resistance almost to it.
0: I would say... That comedy can be sometimes a more powerful message um, than just actually talking about it. Because, like, if you you read a joke or you, like, see someone tell a joke or, like, it might get you to laugh and that might be, like, what clicks on it and then you want to send it to someone else. But also, like, it's a way of, like, confronting problems indirectly. Well, like, actually, you're confronting them directly, but you're not directly going there because you're trying to go to the funny first Hmm. but like it's like the same idea as like political cartoons and like i feel like there's a lot of like stand-up comedians that like kind of poke fun at people or like ideas and like
1: john stewart and Stephen
0: caldera yeah and like uh yeah all i know is is what stands out to me
2: if i had to run like an authoritarian country i would probably have a department Completely dedicated to the construction of jokes about my regime.
0: Uh,
1: I mean, it's, like a way to defuse criticism, I
2: guess.
0: I mean, that's yeah. kind of like what is already happening. Like with like Trump on Twitter, it's just like he says ridiculous stuff, so ridiculous, and then he just like says something else ridiculous the next day. So you they kind of forget about what he said the day before. You know? Yeah,
1: it wears you down cause, like, And like.
0: I can only be mad about one th- like so many things. Or I can only like put my like activism hat on for so many things because like if you if you're an activist forever, you're not doing anything to further your own life, you know?
1: Yeah, like if someone asked me to list every single terrible thing that Trump did, I'd have trouble remembering a lot of stuff because you know, it's just constant. That's diluted just because it's so insane you know there's too much to have to confront so you just kind of accept it in some ways
2: yeah and so and and so I think this kind of like I I feel like when it comes to ironic distance it's uh, this sort of way of like separating oneself from the things that you actually care about to like avoid being hurt I guess by things that like get in between like you and and those things that you care about like oh like the environment for example or like uh other things like that like because it can just be distressing to care about things and in order for you to be able to operate in a way that will function it's almost like you require that ironic distance almost as like a form of practice of like that's like buddhist uh, like Eastern meditation thing where it's like, oh, you you watch everything, but you do not identify uh, with it. You are an observer looking at like the dance of the universe and so on. It's like a it, like an enabling of that perspective, and I, I don't think that it's always toxic, right? Like people crack would- just, even in, under all sorts of stress, mostly. And I and I think that it does, like, help to be able to, like, operate within stressful environments with that. Um, but I do think that it, sometimes it can be used as a force that gets, like, co-opted almost. like.
0: Well, I feel like I've definitely probably learned a lot of things, actually, just from the fact that they've been made into memes and then, like, people want to share them because they're funny. And then, like, I might not know what the meme is about and I got to figure it out. Um, that's, like, the original definition of the word meme.
2: It's yeah
1: that idea.
2: Yeah, like I would learn so much from following math meme pages because they would use one term I didn't understand and I would look it up and be like, "Oh, this is why this joke is funny." But this is also why I think that there are bad math memes because like let's say they're like covering like the definition of a differential like again and again or something like that. But then you you could follow memes in other languages. You can like learn a lot through them. But, yeah, I think they're, like, a medium in which, like, you can have wholesome and then ironic and dank and and meta humor in them. So I feel like memes a lot of times are, like, a vehicle uh, for this kind of irony uh, sometimes. So,
0: Duncan, I have a question for you real quick. It's a small one. Sure. Um, You, I believe, were the first person that I heard start calling people king. Like, (laughs) what's up, king? And that has now become very popular. (laughs) What, did you get this, or did you just start saying this? So, I mean,
1: I'm sure this has happened, this has, like, been a thing for forever in certain circles, but it kind of, in terms of my consciousness, got really popular with, like, gay men on the internet being, like, yes, queen, And regard to, like, Lady Gaga wearing a meat dress or something. That's not why yeah. I started saying it. I started saying it because i started hanging out with gracie and she'd call like all her friends queen and stuff and like i think it's funny but also like nice and like
0: it's i, I think it's a great way to talk to people like oh
1: yeah absolutely
0: you immediately defuse the situation like you're not hostile or you're calling them a king like
1: yeah i'm like what's up king <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah i haven't i i never like i i wasn't really conscious of that but yeah i guess i do use that quite a bit
0: yeah well i like it don't stop
2: Uh. (laughs) i've seen that that a lot on this group on this group on (laughs) facebook called swolesome chad posting (laughs) and i think it's like a great example of like counter toxic masculinity almost like it's like you're trying to like embody a more like wholesome vision of what it is to be a man and and it's like i think it's much better because i think like uh, compared to like our older generations like uh, like men would be like reserved not show emotions don't tell their sons that they love them or like comment about how uh how fucking swole your homie's looking <laughs> on his, you know on his- profile pictures and like that and women they provide like lots of emotional support for each other but i think like guys in our society can feel very isolated because it's not like um i guess it's not the same and there's like these like issues and like expressing emotions and things like that but that gets like diffused if you're like hey king um mind if i kiss you goodnight?" i don't know it's just <laughs> gay about tucking in the homies i'm just like like and, yeah and
1: absolutely it's like a way to be masculine while still w- without having to be toxic it makes me think of like the body improvement club from mob psycho 100 like that kind of shit
0: <laughs> there, that's exactly like what it sounds yeah. like
2: <laughs> yeah like you're trying to you're trying to um i guess it's like it trying to find like a new vision for masculinity which isn't about like beating gay people and like it just it's not being fucking toxic you know like basically because i feel like there's so much of like this like internalized homophobia that it's almost like guys can't even like be like close to another like like let's say for example when it comes to like jojo characters right they're all like yeah we're homies right like uh People are like, oh man, that's like Caesar different.
0: and Joseph are like. You gotta okay. join a sports team, Pablo. That's where it all comes out. Yeah, that's where you express all your. Homo that's where you slap rottenness. asses, get your ass slapped.
2: Yeah, hum, hum, <laughs> camaraderie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm saying we're like reaching the cultural moment where I think that there's like a big move, I guess, for like a, a like male like liberation, I guess, of like like freedom from all this like bullshit that comes from, I guess some like historical hatred of women and gay people
1: um, yeah like all the simp shit i'm like what yeah. the
2: fuck? and actually and actually be wholesome wholesome bros not like bro bros but you know what i'm talking about
1: yeah it's like you can still be like you can still act like bro-ish but like in a positive way like oh y'all what's up king you ready to smash and bruise and talk about our feelings Get yes. in the car, <laughs> homie. We go and crying.
2: Bro, you're looking fucking emotionally swole from carrying the weight of that depression, bro. How much, oh, how much weight? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: how man, I've been really benching? down,
1: but I've been pumping that mental iron, bro. Been reading yeah. into the art of motorcycle <laughs> maintenance.
2: Yeah, king. Yeah. King. And so that's why I like it. I like it a lot for those reasons.
1: Okay. I need to stretch because I can feel my blood thickening. I think it's and- actually
0: time to end the show anyways, so, Duncan, so, uh, <laughs> uh, hold your horses there, King. We're going to let you loose to your wildest desires
2: shortly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am thirst posting on everything you post on, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? like your homies and your homies posts
1: yeah bro hell i mean every time desmond puts like a song out on youtube i get the notification i like it's like go be like oh yeah "Ah, i have desmond i have desmond
0: notified so i get the notification um but anyways duncan uh i think we're gonna end the episode is there anything you'd like to like part with um anything that you'd like to like have people look up if they actually listen to this episode
1: yeah. Do I get to do like a plug thing? Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Hi. Um. My name is Duncan Clark. Um. And if you learned anything from listening to this podcast, I hope that it is that um it's okay to love your homies. And uh, that's what I like to plug today.
0: All right. Um. Duncan, it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, it's Um, been a pleasure. This is a very exciting conversation for me. Um, I want to remind everyone who's listening, um, there's still $20 to be claimed. Um, No one's emailed us. It's been over (laughs) a month. I think it might have been two months by now. Oh, Uh, sorry, Sorry, Duncan. Guess, you've been on the podcast. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I've this whole experience. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if anyone enters... Uh, if anyone emails us about claiming these twenty dollars, um, we're sweetening the pot. Um, if you like, you can also be a podcast guest. Uh, we reserve the right to not upload your episode if it's not interesting. So be interesting and uh, but also you you don't have to be you can you can also just email and the first person who emails gets to claim the twenty dollars. So um, Duncan obviously you can't tell anyone about this it violates the rules of the contest. All right. Yeah. So um, I can't
1: make a fake email. No, 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 no. <laughs> no.
0: That can't happen. That can't happen. Damn. Um Yeah, I'd you- love to I'd love to see someone $20 richer. Um <laughs> So maybe uh, hopefully you listened this far. Uh, if not, uh, I guess you're poor boys. Um <laughs> we're, Yeah, we're, and with that, I guess I guess this is the end unless Pablo has something to say.
2: Um what I have to say is uh, it's okay to love your homies. Uh, black Lives Matter. Fuck the police. Um, defund them. Uh, abolish the police. Uh, yeah, uh, we gotta save the planet. Uh, love your black homies, too. Amen, oh. King. <laughs> Amen, King. All
0: love right. My- See you guys. Cool. Uh, the recording will cut at this point. All right. And Cheers. then
2: about my Runescape gains. <laughs> <laughs> so Should I leave I, it
0: on? No.
2: <laughs> I
1: exit out of the. Um, so
0: yeah, well, I just one second. Um, hey,